0: Welcome to What Happens in This House, Stays in This House, Strength Over Silence podcast. I am your host, Tammy Montgomery Dozier. Once again, thank you for listening. I am very excited this week. My guest is my beautiful sister-cousin, Tamaeut. Say hello to everybody, Tamika. Hi, everybody. Hi. I'm so excited to have you on today. How is everything going with you?
1: So far, so good. I can't complain. I'm doing my business, making cheesecakes, catering, able to spend time with my family. So, no complaints here.
0: So, I know you're you just mentioning about your catering. So, tell us a little bit more about who you are so the audience can get to know you.
1: Okay. I am Tamika Myrick Lyles. I have a catering business called Soulful Delights. I make desserts. We also do. Different dinners, vegan, from vegan to vegetarian. We had a restaurant before. So, cooking is in my blood. My mom cooks, mostly everybody in my family cooks. So, in our family cooks. Right. <laughs> so,
0: so whatever's yeah. going on, have you done like any of those drive by cooking things, you know, where people go out and have these gatherings and you drop the food out? Have you done any of that? No,
1: we haven't done that yet. We were planning on doing something this month, something like that. But we haven't. We haven't done anything like that yet.
0: So you would say that this pandemic has affected your business a lot.
1: I have to say it has because it actually made me say, let me slow down and, you know, see what should I be doing? Is this the right thing? So, yeah, it has. Yeah, because before we would, we would have been doing pop-ups at different places. I know before the pandemic hit, we had a pop-up scheduled at Zell's in Aurora Mall. So that was one of the things that got pulled from our schedule. So and hopefully once things start getting back going, we can start back doing things like that.
0: So I know you because you are my cousin and you do a lot of different things. You have a lot of different gifts and talents. Which one of the ones are you most passionate about?
1: I think cooking is one of my biggest passions, mm-hmm. baking. But I also like like talking to the youth and listening to their stories and seeing how I can help. So things like that, I like. So I'm like kind of all over the place. You know, we do a lot of different things. So. Yeah.
0: And I know you were telling me, you and I, we were talking the other day, and you were telling me something about, even during this time, you're about to start teaching
1: a class uh, with Yes. Let's talk about yes.
0: this. It's so interesting to me. Tell everyone else about it.
1: Okay. So I am doing a elective at my kids' school. So it's a cooking class. It's cooking, the love of cooking and history. So I'll be teaching them... How to make a dish and giving them the history of where that dish came from, the origin of where the dish came from.
0: That's awesome. Like, give me an example, like one of the places, one of the things that you're going to be cooking in, like where it came from.
1: Say, so, friends, we did like pasta. So I would basically teach them how to make pasta from scratch, where it originated from. So let's say Italy and just give them like detail on what they used to do before they had like machines, how everything was done by hand and stuff like that. So
0: awesome! That okay? I, think, yeah, I think that people should do that with their kids or get them involved. I think that is a, a beautiful thing because, you know, growing up in America, you eat all these different things. And you may not even know where it comes from, you know, like even like Chinese food and different things like that. Some people may know, but they just don't know the detail on how it's made and how it came, how they came up with it. So I think that is an awesome idea for the kids. So I'm just going to change the subject here. So I have two children. Were both of your children premature? Yeah, both of them were
1: premature.
0: So my question to you with that, what is it that, that you had to go through? You know, there are a lot of people out there that have premature Children. Then there are some people who don't understand it. So just explain your
1: process and everything that you
0: had to go through during that.
1: So with DJ, DJ is my first. He was born twenty four weeks. So I got pregnant with him. It was my first pregnancy. I was seeing a regular OB/GYN, and all of a sudden I started like retaining water, and they didn't know why why I was retaining water like that. So. The ob that I had, he told me that I wasn't going to make it full-time. He's like, he just don't see it. There's something going on. So from there, he asked me to go see a specialist at Northwestern. So I did that, and everything was pretty much going fine. I would have to go every week to get checked. Blood pressure was fine. Everything was fine. I had no complaints of anything. But that first doctor told me, he was like, you're not going to make it nine months. So my husband at the time had just graduated from radiology school and we went to Lake Geneva and I walked around. We took like some cooking classes while we were there. We had a really good time. I believe I was like 23 weeks at the time. So we did a lot of walking. We, I went swimming. I did a lot of activity. And the night we left to come back home, my water broke. No reason for it. They couldn't tell me why. So I ended up being admitted and they said they were going to try to keep me pregnant until I was 36 weeks. Okay. Well, they didn't happen. I ended up having like a panic attack and I guess me having a panic attack didn't go well with the baby. So his heart rate spiked, my heart rate spiked. So I had to have a c section. My c section didn't go well. I started uh, filling them as they were like getting a baby out and I had an epidural. So that, that was one clue, something was wrong. So they tried to put me to sleep and they had a hard time trying to put me to sleep. So that was another thing, but they were able to get the baby out. I was able to recover from that, but I was still in the hospital. And then one morning I had like this sharp pain in my stomach. The nurse that I had at the time in Northwestern checked, like I was lying, like i was being lazy, like I didn't want to get up. And from there, when I attempted to get up, my um, C-section just burst open. Everything just, it was the worst thing that could happen. And from there, I had like multiple infections. Um, so my stay from, you know, you go in, you have a C-section, you know, you can be there for like, what, two days and right. come home. Well, I was in a hospital from... September to November. Wow. Yeah. November. Almost No, okay. December. Okay. With what you were going through, were you able to be around him at all? So in the beginning, no, they wouldn't let me go visit him in a NICU. So I couldn't do that because of infections that I had. And so, and then I was running a fever. So they wouldn't let me see him in the NICU. So I didn't get to see him in the beginning of his life. But his dad and my mom was there and we had family come. And so his dad, they have this thing, when you have a preemie, they call kangaroo. Okay. So, so the baby know that there's somebody's there, you know, so his dad kangarooed him and my mom kangarooed him. So that was that.
0: And
1: so was your experience with Gabby? So with Gabby, we kind of knew the same thing could happen. And I end up having Gabby at Loyola, not Northwestern. And Loyola had a specialty unit for high-risk pregnancies. So I was seeing a doctor there. And they were pretty much prepared for the worst. I end up carrying Gabby to 34 weeks. I couldn't go any further than 34 weeks, but Gabby, when she was born, she was born five pounds, but she had a lot of swelling due to, I guess they ended up giving me, I believe magnesium or something because my blood pressure had skyrocket. So and a magnesium caused her to have fluid on her body. So once the fluid went away, she was like four pounds, and um, some ounces, but she didn't have the complications that DJ had. DJ had brain bleed. He had retinopathy stage three. They told me he wasn't going to walk, talk. He wasn't going to be anything but a vegetable. That's what they said. And then with Gabby, she came, she was breathing on her own, and she just needed a nasal cannula for a little bit, and she did well. And the thing is, if you saw DJ today, you would never know. Yeah, yeah, he is my walking miracle.
0: Yes, never know that he went through all of that. Now, during that time, like, what did that do to you mentally, your mental state? Because I'm sure there had to be a lot. I mean, even the yeah. first time had to be a lot within itself. Were you just as nervous when you had Gabby? Gabby? Because mentally, I'm sure they had to do something to you.
1: It it really did. I think I had like TCSD for real with having DJ because when I rolled past Northwestern, it gave me shivers and it still gives me shivers. It really made me nervous. Uh, once I got pregnant with Gabby, it made me really nervous to have her. But I was getting like these progesterone shots to keep me pregnant with Gabby. It was like, we kind of knew what, what we needed to do. And we were a little bit more prepared, but it was nerve wracking because the, some of the same things that happened with DJ end up happening with Gabby. I end up getting a blood clot with DJ and I end up getting a blood clot with Gabby. So same thing. So it was, it was tedious nerve wracking and scary. It's just, I don't know. And then I just, I think I had to get myself together and, and know who I was and pray and ask God to help me and lead me. But I thank God for him. I thank God that I'm here. So what, what advice yeah. do
0: you have for women, you know, that are going through this or, you know, what advice? Because you, you've overcome a whole lot uh, with your yeah. kids, making sure that they're okay. You are a great mom. So mothers that are newly into this, that are going through that, this right here, what advice would you give them?
1: I would say pay attention to your kids. Also, pay attention to what's going on. Listen to the doctors. And if you don't understand what the doctors are talking about, I say do your own research. I think for me, because I, like once again, we're jack of all trades, I have a medical background, a lot of stuff I was a little bit more on top of, I would say carry a binder, keep track of all paperwork. If you don't feel comfortable with a doctor, change doctors. I have challenged many doctors Mm -hmm. and not saying that I'm right all the time, but I've been right. So I would say, listen to your gut, pay attention to your baby, pay attention to your body. And when you know something isn't right, stick with that because You are your own advocate and you are your kid's advocate. And I don't care how much knowledge a doctor will say they have. They don't know they're not there with your child 24-7. So you have to be the advocate and the know-all for them. Doctors just suggesting. And sometimes they suggest the right thing and sometimes they suggest the wrong thing. So I just think you have to be mindful of what's going on and and be that advocate. And if that means you have to read every book out there to know, then that's what you do. That's the best thing I can say. Knowledge is truly power, for real. Because I think if they wanted to do surgery on DJ multiple times and I said no, and I ended up being right, they wanted to do just exploratory surgery to see why he was aspirating. And for me, I didn't think that was necessary. I felt like they could do a bedside scope. And when you're at big universities, they have a lot of students. That's another thing. And no no slack to students because everybody got to learn. But when they want to learn on your child, it's kind of like, is this necessary? And when I told them to do a bedside scope on DJ, the doctor that was in charge came in and told me I made the right call. And that's only because I was knowledgeable and knew that there was another way. So I say just just be the best advocate that you can be for your child and always listen to your gut and pay attention to your body and pay attention to your kids.
0: That is great, yeah. great advice. And I know that with all of that that went on, at different places that you would go to. There are different resources for, for preemies too. Can you tell
1: us about yes. that? Yes. Yes. We teamed up with Aspire for uh, DJ and we also did the same with Gabby. They are a phenomenal organization. They helped with his physical therapy, occupational therapy, because they did everything. They helped me find like a preschool that would help. Uh, My son had swallowing difficulties, so he was on a thickener and they helped us find a preschool that would accommodate him. It took him a long time before he was able to get out of diapers. So, I mean, they were phenomenal. All of their help at Aspire. They, they were, they were great. They were great.
0: Did they find you?
1: Well, when I was in Northwestern, they, they contacted me. And so I just followed up with them once I got home. And that's how we um, end up partnering with them. They, it just was phenomenal, and you know they give you different resources when you have a preemie. well, I don't know if all hospitals do that, but they, they they do they give you different well they're supposed to. I just talked to the social worker and asked, you know what can we do to make his situation better and She just gave me just different organizations, and we chose aspire. We heard about them and saw what they were doing in the community and you know, they help a lot of disabled kids and adults. It's just a great, great organization.
0: That's wonderful. That's beautiful. Now, I know, like during the conversation, when you first mentioned about you being in a hospital and a nurse, you say didn't believe you. And I know you've been in the uh, medical field. Do you think that mm-hmm. there are disparities with how African American women or
1: people get treated in hospitals versus other cultures? I think there's a big difference because I think there's like this underlying cliche that we can handle pain better than anybody else. And it goes back, oh my goodness, from the beginning of time. I believe Serena went through that when she had her baby and she had blood clots and they wasn't believing her when she was saying those things about her body. I think it happens a lot. I think, for me, my experience, I was very persistent with something's not right. I did not feel right. It went from me not feeling right, me not being able to walk. It was just a lot of different things. And the nurse that I had just... (laughs) Insisted on I was being lazy and not wanting to leave. You know, like I they wanted me to get out of there. They wanted me to go home. And yes, I have a baby and a NICU, but you got to go home. And I was just like, something's not right. That's where paying attention to your body and knowing your body. And even in spite of somebody telling you you're wrong, you have to stick up for yourself and say, I'm right. I know my body. And that's the same way with your kid. I know my kid. People will try to tell you things about. Yourself and your children, and they have no clue. They're coming from out of thin air, but you know the truth. You know how you feel. You know what you see. And that's why I say you have to stick with your gut. You have to stick with your own thoughts, your own mind, and know something's not right. And when something's not right, follow that. Yeah. I've been
0: hearing a lot about that, even like in the hospital with people with this COVID. African Americans are not getting the same treatment as other people. Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing about that too, and and I think that's sad, that's a sad state that we're in. Like you said, yeah. we can handle handle pain and we'll be okay. So we don't need necessarily as much. You know, right? Have, you know, hey, well, they'll be okay. And right. That's a pretty bad thing that's going on. So I do thank you for being on here with me. And again, uh-huh. I know that you you do a lot. So this yeah. is. I want to ask you, with all your gifts, I know you've done, oh my God, you've done gift baskets, you do yeah. hair, you're a mortician. You <laughs> <laughs> you do, um, yeah, some people out there, and I know that you love to cook. You do a phenomenal job with your desserts and cooking. How do people turn their passions into
1: profit? I think if it's something that you're really, really good at, people will pay for it. So, and I mean, that's with anything. If you're really, really good at it, people will pay for it. And don't slight yourself. I think stick with it. Do it to your best ability. And you can turn a profit. Don't slack. Just keep pushing and Sometimes us as the creator, we don't see the beauty in what we're doing, but other people see it. And you just got to keep pushing forward. Even if you feel like, oh, this is not. Just keep pushing forward. And I promise you, you will make it. You will you will succeed. You just got to keep pushing forward. Even if it seemed like you're stumbling, just keep pushing forward. And I promise you, if you will make money. People will see value in it. And just... I mean, just like you're
0: an event planner, and I, I was like, you've never done that. But I mean, even like with planning your wedding and yeah. hours and things you do, things you do for other people. Now, if you, and and right now, there's nothing. You know, you really can't get out there and do it. But you just right. a very gifted person, and you haven't even tapped into that yet.
1: Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I I was just asked, like, you know, one of my best friends, she said, When she get married, she's like, I'm doing it. I was like, All right. <laughs> a lot of so, my yeah. A lot know, of my I think that came from you because you did, yeah. you did
0: an excellent thing. I mean, you you really helped with your creativity. So and I copied a lot of things from you. I'm like, I want my mine to be like <laughs> my cousin with uh, thank
1: you.
0: Uh just beautiful yeah. You are so talented. And I just love you so much. Um, I love you too. <laughs> so what, what else are you working on right now? What are some of your other upcoming projects? What are, what are um,
1: Well, right now I am working on just trying to get my curriculum together for the class that I'm teaching. And also I'm looking forward to getting out there and doing pop-up shops again. I'm trying to find a kitchen so I can just start doing catering again. I think we wanted, this year we were supposed to do like a lot of different events and that got shut down because of the pandemic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So hopefully we can get out here and do events again. Tricks. I'm actually working on getting my license and insurance. <laughs> I got my hands in a lot of different things. I'm just out here trying to get the bag <laughs> like everybody else. And um, with that, I just feel like you have to work every possible skill that you have. Can't you can't be sleep to anything. You got to get out here and work. So, does anybody want to get in contact with you about your
0: even uh, coloring events, whatever it is? If they want to find out, you know, about the premies or what information you can provide? Oh yeah, get in contact with you.
1: They can reach me at Soulful Delight on Facebook. They also can reach me at my email, Tamika Myrick at gmail.com. And like I said, through Facebook, they can message me, contact me and let me know. And I most definitely will respond.
0: Thank you. So I ask every guest this last question. So the question is, when it's all said and done, what legacy do you want to leave behind?
1: I want them to know that I was a hard worker. I never was defeated in any obstacle that came my way. I always pushed through. I know God had my back. I want them to know that anything is possible. You just have to do the work and God'll do the rest. You put one foot forward, He will take two. And that's the bottom line. We have to just stay focused and and push through. And I want my kids to know with hard work, dedication, you can do anything in spite of what anybody says. My thought is I want to leave an empire for them. And if it's many empires, uh, that would be great. But mommy want to want to set the trail and I want them to be able to follow. I want them to be their own boss and just continue the legacy of what I leave behind. I want them to walk in it and and leave it for their kids and and so on generation and generation. That's beautiful. Beautiful.
0: See? That wasn't that (laughs) part. (laughs) We know who you are beautiful again i want to thank yeah. you for being on my show and thank you everyone for listening to what happens in this house stays in this house strength over silence podcast my i am your host tammy montgomery dozier and remember we are all, going <laughs> all in love if you need to contact me my number is 708-892-2278 708 892 2278 you can i can be reached at podcast at cboconsulting.net and www. Connected by love dot net. Thank you all and have a great week.